BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters, because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. William and Harry. (laughs) No, not those brothers. Art thou certain? Uh, Quite. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Benedict. And my name is Richard Spate Jr. And we're talking about season two, episode two, Everybody Loves a Clown. Do they? (laughs) That's just my question. (laughs) That's what the podcast is going to be about, is figuring out if that's actually true. Oh, well. Does everybody? Um, Uh, We can answer that really quickly. No, they don't. People don't love clowns. People have fear of clowns, Robbie. Do you have a a deep-seated fear of clowns? I don't. I don't really have a fear of clowns. I think I liked clowns as a kid. It was only when I became an adult, and really it was after, what's his name? Who's the murderer, the serial killer who was a clown? George Bush? John Wayne Gacy. Uh, That that was the first time I was like, oh, that's creepy. 
I think I, I got uncomfortable with clowns when I realized that there's somebody in that clown suit. It's probably a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. We're going to have to cut all of this out. I, I just realized I just offended anybody in our audience who's... Who's a clown? Clowning for a living. I just called yeah. them a weirdo. That is Didn't a thing. Too. You got clown school. That is a thing. You can go to clown school. One of my favorite lines from any Simpsons episode was Sideshow Bob, voiced by Kelsey Grammer, and, and, and David Hyde Pierce playing his brother. And he's like... You've always wanted to be a clown. Juggling lessons, buffoon lessons, four years at clown college. And David Hyde Pierce's character goes, I'll thank you not to refer to Harvard that way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or some Ivy League school. (laughs) Yeah, because the joke was that Sideshow Bob was like actually super intelligent. Exactly. um, So Robbie doesn't hate uh, clowns. Robbie is not afraid of clowns. That's your headline. That's your episode. Thank you, everybody. And Um, good night. Come back Um, and see us. Hey, but... Before we get into the summary of the episode... You know, uh, you're not even asking me if I'm afraid of clowns. You didn't even ask. No follow-up questions. I I know the answer. Rich, are you afraid of clowns? No. Dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll thank you not to ask that. Um, (laughs) Hey, guys, uh, help us get the word out about this podcast, all the silliness. Um, We want to keep building our audience, and uh, we want all Supernatural fans to know that this exists and to be a part of it. So uh, we thank you to help getting the word out. We thank you to help getting the word out. Hey, everybody, help us get the word out about the show. <laughs> help us keep building building our audience. All Supernatural fans need to be a part of this. Uh, so it'd be great if you let, let, let your friend know. Please do. More than one friend. Let multiple friends know. Let your friends know. Um, all right. Everybody Loves a Clown, Episode 2. Dean and Sam burn their father's body in a funeral pyre. That's sad. Um, first time That's I, sad. First time I... Uh, Hashtag sad. First time I uh, knew the word pyre was in a Doors song. He said, uh, he says funeral pyre. Before that, I never heard that as a thing, but now, now I know. All right, Dean and Sam burn their father's body in a funeral pyre. Sad. S- Sam asks Dean if his father said anything to him before he died. Dean says, no, nothing. Lie. Lie. Back at Bobby's, Sam finds an old voicemail on dad's phone from a woman named Ellen. That's hot. The boys track her down to Harvell's Roadhouse. Love it. They discover that Harvell's is a favorite stop for hunters. She's the widow of a fellow hunter and new John. Uh oh. They also meet her daughter, Joe. And Wait, they meet her daughter, Joe and Ash? No, they meet her daughter, Joe and Ash, an eccentric guy who seems to be able to figure things out. He agrees to look at the data they have about yellow eyes. The brothers leave and go to Medford, Wisconsin to investigate a string of murders happening while a circus is in town. Everybody loves a circus. Well, do they? There are reports of a creepy clown in the area. You know what? Here's a little trivia for you, Robbie. Do you know on uh, sets in Canada, they call base camp the circus? That's true. That is true. That's just a Canadian thing? I thought that was everywhere. Well, the boys think it is a vengeful spirit, so they look for a cursed item. A little girl sees a clown in her house that her parents can't see. They can't see the house? No, they can't see the, the, the clown. Oh. They stake out the house and save the little girl, but the clown escapes. Damn it. The boys call Ellen, who explains that it is a rakshasa. Rakshasa. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ellen explains that it is a rakshasa, which I, have you ever been to rakshasa? It's a great music festival. I was going to say, I think you've dropped some rakshasa before uh, hitting the stage a few times. <laughs> Both things are true. Anyway, it's a rakshasa and needs to be killed with a brass dagger. <laughs> dude, the brass daggers uh, opened up for the, uh, uh, dude, bra- the I saw the bra- steel point I saw magnolias brass and they were awesome. I saw Brass Dagger at Rakshasa. And oh, they man. were incredible. <laughs> Dean goes to visit the knife thrower to see if he has anything made of brass. That's what you do, you know. You go to the knife thrower. <laughs> Excuse me. 
Knife thrower? You got any brass things? Hey, knife thrower, got any brass? The knife thrower attacks Dean. It's the Rakshasa. Oh, no. Yeah. Sam leads it into the funhouse, finds a brass pipe, and stabs it. (laughs) There's a lot in that sentence that if you're just tuning in, if you just turned on the channel, kids, that sentence makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It's the Rakshasa. Sam leads it into the funhouse, finds a brass pipe, and stabs it. There you go. (laughs) Well, they return to Harvell's to check on Ash's progress. He doesn't have any- Wait, they checked out Harvell's Ash? That's rude. No, they no. They return to Harvell's to check on Ash's <laughs> progress. He doesn't have anything yet. They head to Bobby's. Sam admits he isn't dealing with Dad's death very well. Dean beats the remains of the Impala with a tire iron to take out his frustration. That's a healthy way to do it. Yeah. I, that must have been really fun for, for Jensen to do, that scene. Oh, yeah. He loves swinging uh, steel at uh, cars. He does. He does. But, you know, that, that is a thing, actually. You can do that to as a therapy. You can beat things. That's something yeah. you can do. You heard of that? Yeah, you can. I'd like to do that with you. I'm not made of steel, Rob. You'll kill me. Wait a minute. You just threatened to murder me. And no, that's what I mean, you want to you do. You and I should go do that with, other, with beating things. That's not what you said. <laughs> Officer, that's not what he said. <laughs> Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Okay, I, I like this episode. I like it that it, it, I like introducing, um, you know, the gang at the roadhouse. It was, it was fun to see Chad. Well, uh, really, all, all these people that, uh, you know, that have, I've, I've really never seen their, their characters, but I've, I've known them. Uh, but I haven't, uh, you know, uh, like Samantha Ferris and, and Chad Lindbergh. Uh, so it was fun to see them. Yeah. Joe and Ellen are great characters. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Ash and they're, they're, they're great. And, uh, it's such a colorful set, you know I mean? Like the, yeah. I don't mean in actual color. I mean like just it's such a fun new roadhouse, yeah. home basey kind of feeling set for the yeah. gang. Yeah. Yeah. The set itself. And then the inhabitants of that set, the Joe and Ellen character are super strong, Female characters finally introduced into the show, and Ash is an appropriate amount of comedy, but mixed in with like info because he's an uh-huh. MIT guy. It's a really, really cool characters to bring into the program. Yeah, and we're back now. We're back to the sort of monster of the week feel, but we've added this the Roadhouse, which is sort of a, a new home base. Yeah, I mean, I you know I loved the the season premiere, the season two season premiere uh, a lot. So it, it, it's hard to sort of match that level of of episode, but. Um, this is great. I, I feel in, in a way almost that this is episode one because we're like really starting on what this season two is going to look like here. Oh, you mean it's more? Yeah, you know, I know what you mean because season one, episode 201 feels like uh, to be continued from the last cliffhanger of season one. Exactly. And now this is the new chapter beginning. Yeah, I see yeah and they're, they're in that hospital the whole time. It's it's it's, it's sort of its own standalone episode, the right. episode one. But episode two is now we're, okay, now I can see what what season two is going to look like anyway. So, so along those lines, I'm going to give it a, um, yeah, I'm going to give it a beard. That's like not quite there, but it's on its way. Oh, like, uh, give me an actor. Give me a look. Who you got? Like, uh, I'll give it the, uh, the old, who's got a beard. That's not quite there, but almost. Uh, how about Clooney? Is it a Clooney? You know sure. I'll give like- it the Clooney. I'll give it the Clooney. Rosemary or George. <laughs> <laughs> Rosemary. <laughs> um, I, so okay, you got a you got a George Clooney because I, I was going to give it to George Clooney too. So let's give it two George Clooney's. Okay, two Clooney's. Which, two is, Clooney's. which is a solid review, by the way. It, I mean it it's it's a it's a really good review. There's a lot to like in this episode. A lot of creep factor. 
Um, well, it's a Phil Segrisha episode. Every time Phil directs, I feel like we're we're you know we're in good hands. Yes, agreed. And 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 they all he never sticks in a rut. They all seem fresh and new and interesting and yes. cinematically challenging. Exactly. And this is no difference. And we get to get to meet some interesting new characters. So two, two Clooney's, strong Clooney's. Two, two Clooney's for the clown. Right. <laughs> uh, That's uh, the title what, of Rob's autobiography. Two, two Clooney's, Clooney's for the, for the clown. clown. Uh, well, speaking of Phil Segrisha, he is our guest today, along with Chad Lindbergh. He hasn't directed much television, has he, that Phil? No, He's new he to the game. Yeah, he hasn't. Except for 45 episodes of Supernatural. Egad! And uh, and currently The Boys, he's he's all over the new season of The Boys and its spinoff, Varsity. In fact, he's the producing director of the entire series, The Boys. So he's yeah. the big cheese. Yeah, he's uh, his work is uh, always like I said, like I said, always great. And then Chad Lindbergh, I mean, he's guest starred in Agents of Shield, Sneaky Pete, uh, Pen Fifteen, Sons of Anarchy, CSI, X Files. Uh, but uh, Supernatural fans know him and love him as Ash. Let's get into our interview with Phil and Chad. We're so excited to have with us two gentlemen who were such a big part of season two. Well, one of them, Phil Segrisha, is a big part of the whole run. But our old buddy, Chad Lindbergh, also joins us. Hi, Phil. Hi, Chad. What's up, guys? Good afternoon, morning, or evening, wherever you're at. Thank you for being with us again, Phil, and for the first time, Chad. Welcome. Chad, so excited to have you. It was so, uh, you know, Rich and I are watching the show for the first time, and so your character's one of those where, like, I've done these conventions with you, I know you. we've become good friends because of the conventions, and I know your character is so legendary that, like, you see the picture everywhere, and you see the hair, and I see you doing the different sayings, but, like, I've never really sat down and watched one of your episodes, so it was, like, a real thrill. I'm like, ah, Chad, first of all, you're nailing it. I I can see why fans love you so much. And uh, it's just awesome, man. It's just awesome to see you on the show. Well, it's funny because it's like we, I don't know you guys through like the actual show. I know you guys from, you know, going out and doing these conventions and becoming friends like through that. And so it's really cool that you guys are going to like watch the entire thing because I haven't done that. And maybe it's because it's like, I'm like, oh, there's Rich. Oh, there's Rob. Oh, there's Misha. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's hard to like. Take yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because we have we have all basically befriended each other on the convention circuit. So I've seen giant six foot vinyl posters of you all over auditoriums in your Ash ensemble. Right. So in a weird way, when you came on as Ash, I'm like, hey, it's that guy from the poster. Like, so, I mean, I I've, <laughs> I feel like I've seen your work, but the truth is I haven't. I know your the lines of yours that became famous that people wear on T-shirts and, you know, party in the front, business in the back and all that kind of stuff. But it's not other, other, other way around. Business in the front. Oh, hey, business in the front, party in the back. Perfect. Party, but, you know, business. Look, we can do some business. <laughs> but wait, I should, my mom's home, so we should really party in the, we should something party like the that. Um, that's, but like, it's cool to sort of see it all put together in the show and how it, how it's relevant to the actual storyline and all that. It's cool. Well, we should also specify that we're staring at uh, Chad and behind him is a sign that says badass is in. Yeah, we were talking about that before you guys got on. My, my buddy actually made this, uh, this replica here of the, of the sign. That's awesome. And actually... You know, you can go in, in or out. Exactly. So, thank thankfully for us, he's in. Um, okay, we're we're talking about episode two of season two. So, John's funeral pyre at the beginning is that a Return of the Jedi reference? You know, to Anakin Skywalker's funeral pyre? No, I think it's the way hunters 
send other hunters off. It's to get rid of the remains of the body in a super, you know, in this, in this world of supernatural. Yeah. If there's, if there's no bones, right. You know, if they burn it down far enough, I think it's that. Right. Right. That more than anything, it's the way the hunters do it. Right. That makes sense. Do we know, Phil, if that, is that some sort of, they don't want somebody else to be able to come by and desecrate the hunter's body? I mean, is there a deeper or, reason? Or, or a spirit could take over the body. Right. And John, on John's a zombie or John's right. a, what is, what's the other, another one where it's a, you know, it's a ghost taking over. The spirit is taking over the remains. So they get rid of it. So there's no chance of that. There was a scene ahead of that that was kind of cool, but we took it out. And I think it was, it was really painful as to what I recall, because I had a matching shot where the boys went or somebody came in to look at the coroner's office and they, we had the camera up high above the slide of the drawer where John's body was and it was empty. And then we were going to dissolve through to the fire being, you know, like all of a sudden the drawer would turn on fire kind of thing. But, uh, I don't know if it was time or Kripke hated it or whatever. I'm not sure. I forget, but huh. there's only little, two reasons it didn't make it time yeah. or Kripke hated it. <laughs> no, I think it was, I don't know. It was just one of those where it was, it was kind of, you know, cause you know, you, you know, Rich, you spend a lot of time designing things and you, you know, they become precious and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's all gone. Okay. Yeah. So you were, so, so Phil, you weren't there when they cut that out. Like you just found that out. Oh, no, so I, you I, knew. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I knew. I mean, but it's at least been, you get to know like the rest of us so down long. the food chain. We never know. We just turn on the TV and Oh, yeah. your favorite scene's gone. Oh, cool. Oh, look, that's not my episode. <laughs> they used all the outtakes. Just hold that thought. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, 
its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. Phil, you came from the editing world. Yes. And so, but did you ever edit Supernatural? No, I hadn't been really full-time editing. I would do a pilot once in a while. Okay. I did, the last the, the last pilot I did was 2005, just before I worked with Stephen Hopkins on a, on a pilot for NBC that didn't work. I got to cut in Montreal and I worked with Idris Elba. Went oh, out wow. to dinner with him several times. It was That's kind cool. of name dropper yeah, that wow. I am. Wow. Look at but you. Anyway, that, was a, that was the last thing I cut full, I think, 2005. Right. Okay. So at the, at the beginning of this episode, we've got a new main title. Uh, we're on a new network. We're on the CW. New title with the flames. What's that process like? With the, the, the plan to, to change the title graphic every season? Where does that um, come from? I think, I think because it's a new, a new feel and there's a new arcing story, we kind of tried to think about what's the overall umbrella of the season. Um, you know, the beginning of this with introducing Chad, and Sam yeah. and uh, and Al- Alona, it was kind of like to broaden the, so it wasn't just the boys. It was kind of like a world, this world of hunters. And that was kind of the reason. And, and I think, you know, the CW with the new change, they wanted to, you know, make it a little bit bigger as it were, like, mm-hmm. you know, people that would recur and we could come back to this roadhouse and we could come back to these characters, which we did, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, it just opened, it opened it up a bit. So, yeah. And what's that process like? Is that, that a, the producer saying, Hey, we want it to look like this, this year. And then you give that to a graphic person who comes out and like, how's this boss? Well, I think partly what, what was going on because it was new hierarchy at the CW you know, there was like, let's broaden the palette, the, you know, bringing in new people. And then I think also there was probably talk about, we were still on film at this point. So it was like, should we have more color? Should we have less color? Should we have, and some of that was a continuing, you know, it's a horror show. So you don't want it too bright, you know, type right. of thing at night. It's, it's dark at night. Leave it that way. Right. Um, it makes more attention to the viewer if you don't get all your answers in the shot. You know, if you're kind of like scared about it. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Chad. Let's talk about Ash's hair. Yeah. So <laughs> how much of that was yours and how much of that was wig? Um, Most of it well, it took about an hour and a half to put on. And Holy cow. Yeah. Most of it was uh, hair extensions that they would button into the back of my head. Oh, and, wow. um, and then, of course, my hair was longer back then. So then the business up front would take a while. A lot of hairspray, a lot of hair drying. And then once that thing went on, 
I disappeared and I just sashayed all over the set with that mullet. Uh, <laughs> the mullet really did the work. You know what I mean? I just had to like, We tried to get the mullet on this podcast, but he's doing a, hey. a feature in Naples. Yeah. Not returning our calls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I so Chad, how much of a voice did you have in the style of the character? I mean, I, and maybe the answer is zero. I don't know because we're all young actors at the time. And, yeah. But it you it fits you like a glove. The ensemble, the clothes, the hair. Was there any part of that that was a conversation, or were they just like, here, put this on, and this is you? I appreciate that. Uh, no, I had really. It was already kind of like a done deal. But I feel like you know, I came into Phil. Were you in the audition room? Uh, I probably I probably was up north. Okay. Uh, at that point. All right. Because I, uh, I you were in there. Kripke was on set. Yes. On well, this, he was in the room. I remember Kripke was on. And he was in the yeah. room. And uh, when I went in to audition, I wore a sleeveless flannel. And then when they <laughs> said go ahead and start at any time, uh, I knew that Ash had to be a big deal, and he had to come in like big. So I turned around and I unbuttoned my shirt all the way. And then I started the scene by whipping around and completely bare chesting me. <laughs> and I started there and, uh, and then they were rolling. And I think I got the call later that night. And so I think maybe that was also, they kind of took it from that. And, you know, everything fit me like a glove. And then a couple of the jewelry was mine, actually, now looking back. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Alona Tall was like, uh, Chad told us that his, his thing was always like, keep it weird. <laughs> yeah yeah there was not a straight face around me and I, and no sam ferris will tell you like i i i go for it and i will i will i will try to get you to laugh i will try my my best <laughs> yeah, jensen right. is jensen is uh one of the best actors that doesn't break and i think chad might have done it a couple times while we were filming that because your cadence and your timing of everything was slightly off everybody else's. So you had to wait for things with you or you were too fat. You know I mean? Your, your rhythm was way different, which was wonderful because it threw them way off, which was, which it should have been. Right. So all that, all that stuff was, was working. And also um, a lot of people don't know that we went back to the table with Ash because he was written, uh, you know, like originally, on top of what we saw, they had him as like a psychic and he was seeing ghosts and all of these weird things. And then I got the call from you guys uh, about three weeks later and said, we have to go back to the table and kind of water him down a little bit. So I flew back up there and we had a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations. And uh, we went back and reshot some of uh, Ash's stuff. And that's yep, what yep. actually made it into the episode. Oh, like really? what? what? What got reshot? Good question. I uh, oh, uh, some of the pool table, uh, the pool table stuff. Yeah, I think we did. I'm trying to think because Kripke was there for part of it, and then when we got it in the cut, he was kind of like, "We should really do this," and it was like, "Oh, can we do that?" And then we had the set; it was already built. So, and Chad was going to be in more episodes. So I think, well, yeah, and yeah. that was also a thing too. I remember, I remember going on the studio and seeing you guys were actually going to build Ash's lair. And yeah. things shifted and, um, you know, it just didn't kind of go that way. But that was happening at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the difference between the watered down version of Ash? The quirkiness, I think, you know what I mean? Because I was I was really going for it. But I, again, they had me written so many different things that I was compiling into one. 
Yeah. And I think they wanted more uh, more of the uh, of the uh, of the computer rhythm, you know, and right. the dialogue and stuff like that to kind of focus on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love computer jargon, let me tell you. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very I think, warm. I think it, it's a funny bit when you mention MIT and they're like, you mean yeah. MIT? Yo, know, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a university in Massachusetts. Like it's nothing. And I think that sort of little kernels of your your background right uh really it one throws them way off because they're not college educated boys really i mean sam was to a point yeah uh but it you know stuff like that is fun with the for the reveal of the character yeah you know you don't you don't know where this guy's from yeah and then you do yeah and then he's this multi-dimensional character so with that that whole crew there, Ellen, Joe, and Ash, was the the idea that this was going to be these recurring allies for Sam and Dean for season two? Yeah, I mean, it was before Bobby's turned into Bobby's, you know, we, we had that. And, you know, because the show is a road show, and then so it's motel rooms and road houses. So it became like a thing where you could have a story originate, like a hunter could come in to Ellen and to the roadhouse to Harvell's and then it would it would spawn off of that you know so it gave us a place and where we had the location was at the old uh I think it's in Boundary Bay south of Vancouver and everybody shoots out there it's an old military base where the roads are the only thing left and so Jerry Wanick and his art department masters you know built us the roadhouse is the interior is there too um you know there's a chunk of it but it wasn't the whole thing the whole thing was on stage okay. we we you know we had the and then I think Chad's room in the back was also there in the back somewhere. Yes, okay. that, that, that was. It was around the corner. That's where. Uh, uh, there's some other later episodes. Or yes, yes. Well, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do feel like watching this show, this episode, and a couple of episodes into the season, uh, further into season two, you feel like this is going to be a major base camp. Like, it's going to be the men of letters of the early years. Right. And it never really does take that kind of toehold. It kind of goes there, but never fully manifests itself into that. And I'm curious, Phil, as one of the big brass guys, if you know why. Like, what what drove that or didn't drive that? You know, I don't know. That's a Kripke, that's a writer's question, because the locations are driven by the script. And so, you know, if we needed more of, of Ellen or Joe, did they have to be at the... You know, some of there was a couple later. I know Kim did one where, you know, they took Joe on a on a hunt without mom knowing. And that was, yeah. uh, you know, that was awful for the boys because Ellen is not to be trifled with. But I think it was the bigger part was to open up the characters. And I think maybe the roadhouse was part of it. I think the writers just found that, it, you know, the story takes you in a direction and sometimes it works out. It was always a, a good place to go, but then it was kind of like, all right, it, it kind of served its purpose. And maybe that was why it didn't go as as much as like Bobby's. Bobby's was a home, you know, it was a place, you know, this kind of had bunks, but we never really showed any of that, really. I mean, we didn't go down that road. Because we never really had that at Supernatural. They never had a home base until Men of Letters, correct? Well, they kind of had Bobby's that was used where they'd sleep at Bobby's. And uh, that's what we used for most of those seasons. Again, it's a lot of motels that the art department built. Yeah. Well, I feel like you more than a lot of directors really went to the effort of making the motels a little bit different than other (laughs) motels. 
Well, me and Jerry, we're both from the Midwest, so we are used to that kind of weirdness of hotels. Yeah. And uh, some of it, I know in the the disco one was the probably the first time we commented on it. Yeah. Because it was so outrageous, I said to Jared and Jensen, "When you walk in, just take a moment and look, and we'll we'll do a little pan through." And yeah, it was the first time. And then from that point on, it was kind of like, "Okay, we've done that, or maybe there's something we can do with them later." But yeah, for the, mo- for the most part, they um, you know they were just what they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and- so on the when the, in this episode, Phil, when they're on the way to Medford, the boys are driving through the rain. Now, was that, uh, again, that just Vancouver being Vancouver? No, that's poor man's. Really? We were on a stage with water guns or, you know, brain tower type of thing. And yeah, no, that I like doing that. A lot of people hate it because it's the stage wet. But it's just little rain guns that that's are shooting at, awesome. at the windshield. And you got to have the wipers going. The sound guys hate me because the, the you know, I'm like, I'm like, well, they get, they got to talk louder. It's the rain. <laughs> it's the rain. That's how you do it. Yeah. By the way, I love that you started that by describing it as water guns. And in a flash, I just see you and Sarah just like from Walmart. Like, eh, eh. <laughs> they're, bigger, they're, they're bigger than that. It's, it's bigger than that. But, you know, part of the cheat on any of that stuff is is um, trying to get the water on the side windows to go sideways. And it doesn't want to do that because we're not actually driving. So there's no wind, you know, that the car is driving to pull the water sideways so it's going down so you got to kind of hide that as much as you can right but you know the windshield is going and you just say more water and you know it, it drains off into we've got like a pan underneath the car and most of it goes in there some of it doesn't but you know it's wow. just um it's a dark stormy out in the middle of nowhere night yeah that's awesome chad here's a question for you was there ever a backstory that you know about about ash's origin story i mean i know we know mit and that kind of thing but how did he wind up there? How did he? How is he friends with with Joe? After years of being on the road, and uh, of course, after getting kicked out of MIT for fighting, that was a big thing for fighting. Sure. Uh, he realized, uh, you know, he had to go find his own. And I think once he came upon the Roadhouse, that was it. And then Ellen took him in, and and um, and then he just uh, set up shop in the back and uh, fit right in. And then here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love his. I love his mate. His makeshift computer. <laughs> that, yeah. It kind of looks like when my kids bring elbow macaroni art home from. Sure. from you know, <laughs> a lot too. Early like, days. A very heavy piece of yeah. uh, of prop. You know. Huh. Yeah. And that, it's got, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles. Literally. Mm-hmm. There's that. There's that moment where Jensen's going to touch it, and you give him the. You know, and I, I don't know if that was scripted. I think. It was not. No, it, I sort I, of. I, I remember you doing that, and then I said, "All right, we'll play that." So let's. So we got the shot of his fingers hovering over as you're giving him the "Don't be touching my shit, buddy." Yeah, yeah. You know, it was. It was. I, I decided early on there was going to be tension between me and and uh, Jensen. Just there, just <laughs> was. You know, Ash and Dean. There was going to be a little bit of tension. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Makes uh, total sense. Yeah, totally. It was good. Totally. It was. It was really good. And then you drink his beer. I drink his beer. Yeah. 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 You totally get into his face. Yeah, that was that's how, you know, that's that's one of the things, you know, they talk about how well that that show looks you can tell it's older because the cell phones are bigger or the bell bottoms are wider. People will know that that's a pre-COVID episode because you drink another man's beer. <laughs> Would never happen now. No, of course not. Um, Chad, did you get to do a lot of improv? Like, was it the sort of thing where they, you know, that you after the scene, after your last line, you'd get to sort of do a bit or anything like that? 
I think so. I mean, yeah, you know, Phil and, and everybody definitely left a lot of room. I mean, not for so much the dialogue, but just like, just to be me. Yeah. You know, like I, I know a lot of times, you know, I fell off the pool table. I don't think that actually made it, but I would wake up and then I would literally like just collapse off the table and make this huge bunk. And I thought it was the most funniest thing ever. Um, there was a lot of leniency just for me to be me. And one of my, one of my favorite things is when I say, uh, so I forget what the line is. Sam says something about clowns. And I say clowns. I go, what the? And you almost yeah, what the... think I'm going to say, F-, but I don't. And I switch it. But you guys left it in there. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think, I think, you know, there was parts of because I remember Kripke being there and he was like, look, we got to like play around here because we don't know what these characters are. It's like doing a pilot all, all of a sudden with three new characters. So right. it was Ellen, you know, and Joe and ash were kind of like all right let's see what they are and find out so i think there was you know get it on script and then play it play around if you got time and and uh, i think the play around stuff was was in there more than a lot of the other stuff I, yeah you know. yeah i'm sure all these uh little things that helped you know you you want these characters to be like i said multi-dimensional and not just like mm-hmm. cardboard cutouts so it helped yeah. to have three great actors playing them so in this episode, we have a very scary clown. Our, Such a scary clown. So I'm not scary. even scared of clowns. So freaky. <laughs> uh, are either of you afraid of clowns, carnivals, or circuses? Um, after seeing, and this dates me, the big, is it the big top with uh, Jimmy Stewart? Yeah. As he's, he plays the clown that never takes his makeup off. And he's a surgeon that's on the run for murdering his wife. Oh, wow. And um, so he never takes his makeup off. And that is like I saw that probably when I was a teenager or something and I was thought that clowns are hiding right they're hiding behind right. the makeup yeah so anyway that's uh, I, I'm not afraid of them I'm just like where I'm gonna keep my distance yeah yeah what about you Chad I mean I know you're a big ghost guy it, oh, about- yeah I lean into it I I love I love the clowns I love the it you know I love I love all that stuff man um I love Joker. Like, I love yeah. any sort of, like, clown. Lean mm-hmm. into it, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I, I dig it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, mean, this is there's a very it quality to this script. Mm-hmm. With the kids and the clown. Yes. yes. I, I think there's some weak parenting at play in this episode. <laughs> Massively weak parenting. <laughs> um, it, it, like, some of these kids just wander off at the carnival and end up, like, how are they getting those clowns back to their house? I mean, I get the fact that clowns have to be invited in, but man, I I, I don't know. A lot of pretty a lot of heavy drinkers in the dad department there, just sleeping through a clown knocking on the glass window. And well, I don't know. Would would you know if a clown was knocking on your kid's window? Did your apparently house? not? Which now I I live in constant fear. Now, see, you're going to wake up and he's going to say he is my friend. He that's so that's so scary. It's so creepy. I, look, part of what also makes this episode creepy is the whole funhouse factor of it all which is creepy in itself i've actually as an actor years years after you guys did this i did a commercial where we shot in a funhouse and they had to angle the mirrors you know it was a set built mm-hmm. how challenging was this for you phil because it looks great and it's super creepy what went into the conversation with jerry to make this workable for you well we only built parts of it um we built the part where all the demons and stuff and the baby jars and the little boy sees the clown in the mirror or in the glass and he turns around and nothing's there. Um, that was all built as same with the, where the calliope kind of the 
the uh, brass pipes were uh, and that whole mirror sequence. Um, the mirror sequence was kind of cool because we had double mirrors. So we had the cameras behind another mirror that reflected to itself. So we could be almost anywhere as long as we were in dark, you know, had the camera masked off with a float oh, or whatever. that's cool. So if you've got two mirrors and this one is a double-sided, meaning you can be on the far side, as long as you keep it dark on this side, you can shoot right at it, at the other mirror, and it sees only the mirror. So um, that sort of trickery, camera trickery, was that, that, you know, we were doing that a bit when Sam's walking through through some of that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of Jerry set up this maze kind of with all the bright colors and black around it all. So it was like you, you ended up watching, looking at more frame like ideas than what was around it. Interesting. So, yeah. Is there, Phil, is there a story with the clown chair? <laughs> um, well, you know, one thing working with Kripke and with Singer is that they like, you know, the good ideas stay. And, um, George Newman, our set decorator, a brilliant set decorator and a bicycle enthusiast. He used to do, I think, the Tour de France. Anyway, wow. something like that. George did, yeah. So George shows me this clown chair. And I'm like, that's brilliant, but where do we do it? Where do we put it? And then we have the scene where they go interview for a job. And I said, put it in there and put a folding chair next to it. So all I told Jensen was before they open that door and walk in is Sam hates clowns. So Jensen opens the door and sees the chair and immediately that moment is on film oh. and really film because we shot film. So that moment we made it work because now Sam has to sit without his back touching the clown. He's on the clown's lap. I mean, right. that whole chair was like the clown body and the arms yeah. were like this. Yeah. You know, it it's was, so it like, creepy and hilarious. I love so that moment. Creepy. But, you know, that and then the the earlier, the little person, woman clown yes. that goes by, that was not scripted. I just said, walk by him, just give him a look. And so that became something. So the, uh. because because we had dialogue, which says, you know, cl you know, they're in the car on the way to the thing. And and apparently clowns kill. Well, yes, planes, planes crash and apparently clowns kill. I think it's something like that. So it became this bit throughout there where i would have clowns staring at sam during a cross while he's cleaning up some of it made it some of it didn't yeah but there was a there was a ton of stuff that we could play with with uh jared's you know character to off you know make him uncomfortable right so wow it was a lot of that that was a lot of uh, stuff that was fun but oh. george found that chair and i, I always <laughs> i was like what a brilliant find that was yeah oh that's so funny <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a little moment but it helps tell us our yeah. story yeah, that and the moment with the little person, I thought it was was funny. Was that the sort of thing you just saw her as an extra, and you're like, Yeah, no, I think there were there we had the carnival, you know, the carnival, and I think we had some choices on people that were going to dress up as clowns, and and I saw her, and I went, What if she just walks by? We don't say anything. There's no dialogue. Just walk by and look at Sam, and so we did it. <laughs> Dean walks up and he says, you get her number. That was not scripted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was all that stuff to really, you know, whittle at Sam's psyche, you know. And then later there's another line. I think Sam says something about the little kid fingered the clown. 
And Dean just looks at him and I said, don't react. Don't not react. Just look at him. And, oh my God. And, and he does. He goes, you know, the kid fingered the clown, meaning fingered, put, you know, pointed him out, co- pointed him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then all Dean can think of is something else. He's trying not to say anything. You know, you have one of the creepier moments to date in this, you. in your, in your personal life. No, no. In the episode. Um, yeah, and it's just it's the one moment when they the the guy that we think is a blind knife thrower reveals yeah. himself to be the clown, and his entire face starts to morph into the evil clown smile. Like his the forehead. Did you notice that, Rob? Yeah. 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 Like his he has a cool like scary smile, but then the it goes up like an unnatural yeah. inhuman yeah, way. Yeah, the yeah. eyebrows kind of arch yeah. up, and the wrinkles in the forehead cave in. Yeah, it looks like it one of those Instagram filters. A what? Looks like an, like a filter, like an Instagram filter, you know. Yeah, and we we didn't want to overdo that. We just wanted a taste of it because that's one thing Kripke was very um, uh, adamant about is like we don't want to overdo because we didn't have the visual effects money. Well, it looked awesome, and it's what you don't see because you know that look keeps going. Like you cut yeah, off it real yeah, quick. Yeah, we 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 cut to Dean or we cut to Black or whatever. It went to commercial break, so. That's all it was supposed to be is just enough to go, oh, my God, what happens next? Way better to do that for the audience to let the audience figure that part of it out in their heads. Absolutely. Chad, here's a question for you. And this may be you've probably been asked this a million times. I hate to be the guy that asks this question for the millionth and first time. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask it because this is one for the vault, right? This is the podcast for the vault. Sure. Did you know that your character was going to catch on a the way it did and B? Were you surprised that your character has has had such staying power and has caught on with the fans so so passionately? Thank you for saying all that. That's very nice. I I knew right away when I got the sides for the audition. I'm like, oh, this character is dope, <laughs> and I can and I I I just knew it was just like this feeling of like, oh, I get it, and I know it's going to be a funny character, and um. And then, of course, it, it you know it, it didn't really take off though until later on. I feel because season two was kind of um, I don't know. It was the you know after the first season, you mm-hmm. know, still trying to find its footing. Yeah, and I think Ash really sort of took off once I hit the convention circuit years ago. And they also got to meet me. I think that was a huge part of it. Was like knowing the guy behind the mullet. And um, and my presence online, I you know, if you follow me, I'm I'm quite outspoken, and and uh, a lot of ways like Ash is. So I think that kind of like you know helped, you know. And we've traveled the world with this show, so I think that's kind of what did it. And of course, once uh, the reruns started to take place, and then Netflix and all these things, and then Ash really was like, ah, we love going back and visiting the mullet. You know, now it's a classic to go back. Right. Yeah. It really is. It's one of the you know one of the classic characters that emerged in the first five seasons. That's I mean, and I I mentioned the first five seasons because so many longstanding fan favorites emerged in those first five years. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you were, it was basically. You and Gabe Tigerman kind of came out as the first two sort of fan favorite characters early on. Um, And it's really cool. It's really cool to sort of see the the genesis of it all. I think uh, Behind the Mullet is Chad's Flaccid Jazz album. Dude, I was going to say, if if he doesn't call his autobiography the man behind the mullet, then I'm not buying it. I'm doing it. 
just behind the mullet. It's a it's a new kind of trend. It's a new genre. It's called flashy jazz. Um, really like very, very Honestly, fun. if you guys did a, a like a jazz album together and just had a goatee and a mullet on the album cover, I would know who the musician. Beautiful. Thank you for this inspiration. I made this, this may be the title of my first book. There you yeah, go. It should, it, should it should be. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I, think I think you're in. You're in. Um, well, Phil, you know this because we've had you here before, but we're going to have you here again. And Chad, we're going to have you here again. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. I'd be so honored, guys. It's, been, it's always yeah, fun. Such a pleasure. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. Hey, guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a pvp player versus player mode such as alliance war or real-time arena so as we as i record this they're enjoying their six-year anniversary so you know what that means free stuff free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description so the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks. Once again, to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Thank you for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Uh, so great, as always, to see those guys. Well, it's great to have Phil, because, you know, Phil's a staple of this show as well as the Supernatural show, and his insight is always super interesting and valuable and funny. Uh, and informative. And then here's Chad, who's, you know, a, a staple of the convention circuit, a legendary character from the show. You and I are just now discovering on screen. And it's it's so fun to discover him on screen and then have him to in to talk about it. So great. Well, you know, some of the first conventions I did were with Chad. Uh, Same. And one of the most memorable, uh, we did one together in England that was really great. But we did one with you. I, were we in Rome? It was, yeah, it was Rome 10 years ago. And that's where you and I really became super tight. And we were uh, running around Rome during the day before we had to go to work. And uh, that's when we, I started calling him the kid. The kid, yeah. And for, for no reason, just because he's got kind of a baby face, I guess. He's all grown up, but we still call him the kid. Yeah. Anyway, it was great to see him. Great to see them both. Um, all right, let's get into the mythology of this episode. Mythology, mythology, mythology. Creepy clowns have a long history in film and TV and real life stories. Bummer for clowns who aren't creepy. I'm sure they'd like to have normal clowns on That's TV true. and in film, but sorry, it's <laughs> all true. creepy all the time, clowns. <laughs> That's true. Well, here are a few true stories. 
as I mentioned earlier, John Wayne Gacy it would dress up as a clown to entertain children at birthday parties. That is so, so creepy. It's so creepy. And, uh, <sighs> and then he became a serial killer. Yes. Uh, in September of 2014, in Northampton, England, or as Rob likes to call it, Northampton. That's right. There were several reports of a creepy clown appearing around town and just glaring at people passing by. <laughs> he became known as the Northampton Clown. Now, where they came up with that name, <laughs> no one weird. knows. In the, in the nickname department, I feel like they could have done better. <laughs> they really, they really, really phoned it in. <laughs> should be, they should work as hard as the clown, at least. <laughs> in America, a creepy clown sighting phenomenon began in 2016 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Soon across the country, creepy clowns started appearing at night on street corners, cemeteries, and campgrounds. This started to cause hysteria across the country. There was an angry mob called the Penn State Clown Riot, which went hunting for the clown cosplayers. Uh, people in Florida took their kids trick-or-treating armed, which is fun. That's fun. It's such a Florida. It's very American. Yeah. Uh, New Haven, Connecticut banned all clown costumes for the month of October. On October 15th, 2016, there were reports that a clown purge or attack was going to take place on Halloween Eve. And the hysteria even spread to Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Russia. Why 2016? What what happened in 2016 that brought about this clown it's mania? The, it's the year of the clown. Clear up. <laughs> it's the, the year of the clown. You know, yeah. have you seen anything online about Wrinkles the Clown? Uh, That's this creepy clown that, like, you can actually call. There's some documentary about this. You can call this number, and then this guy will show up, dressed as Wrinkles the Clown, and, like, stand outside your neighbor's window and do creepy crap for you. Whoa. I probably shouldn't be promoting that because he's not a sponsor of the show. Now, if he'd like to pony up for a slot, we'd yeah. be happy to. Uh, is this a call out to <laughs> Wrinkles? <laughs> Wrinkles. We'll go right to your jingle, brother. Just got to hit us up. Uh, well, a few other creepy clowns in pop culture. Rich? Pennywise from, I guess, the IT department. Oh, no, yeah. wait. From It. Uh-huh. From it one and two, and it was it was it was played by Tim Curry back in the original it, or the original it uh, that was a TV movie, I believe. Right. And the current it is played by, if I'm not mistaken, Morgan Fairchild. Nope. Who who is it? It is uh, one of the brothers. Uh, it's one of the brothers. They're Norwegian. Wait, hold on. Oh, Hemsworth. The Chris Chris Hemsworth. Bill Skarsgård, Alexander's brother. Bill Skarsgård is the. They're Swedish, I think. And Bill Skarsgård is is it? Bill Skarsgård, yeah. His brother is Alexander. Oh, man. His dad yeah, is I know Stellan. Stellan, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the Skarsgårds. Who, who yeah. knew? He's actually a really Wait, good actor. He's a great actor. And it's Skarsgård, right? Not Sarsgård. Not, uh, no, not Sarsgård, but Skarsgård. Not Peter Sarsgård. It's, right. it's, it's Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, got That's it. That's right. Okay. Uh, Bill Skarsgård. Did you know that Lon Chaney played a creepy clown twice? Once in Laugh, Clown, Laugh in 1928, and then again in He Who Gets Slapped in 1924, <laughs> which makes no sense because he would have done that one first because it was 1924. So I said that the wrong also, way. Also, <laughs> I, thought, I thought the name of the movie was Once in Laugh, Clown, Laugh. <laughs> I thought that was the name of the movie. Once in Laugh, again in Clown, and then again in Laugh. <laughs> Lon Chaney in Once in Laugh. Clown laugh. Um, okay. Well, the Italian opera Pagliacci from 1892 featured a clown who murders his wife and her lover on stage during a performance, which almost uh, happened to you, Rich. Yeah. It, it almost exactly happened to me. The only difference was it wasn't an opera. 
It was my real life. <laughs> uh, hey, here's another one. The Joker. <laughs> <laughs> the Joker is definitely a creepy, a creepy a, crown. It's a creepy crown. A and, creepy uh, crown is what he's up. There's God. an exclamation point next to the Joker. That's why it had to be read that way. A Joker. The Joker. Tell me more uh, about Rakshasa. Well, I'll tell you what about the Joker. You know, very creepy clown, uh, not to be confused with the smoker or the midnight toker. <laughs> <laughs> They're not True. creepy clowns. Good point. Um, Rakshasa are demons from Hindu mythology. They are also called man-eaters. They oh. also appear in Buddhist scriptures. Oh. Rakshasa. So that's where the Hall & Oates song came from. He's a Rakshasa. Mm -hmm. um, that was the original title, and then they changed it. <laughs> Because Oates had to come piss on a good idea. Why well, don't <laughs> yeah. I? I get it, Hall. I okay. hear you. There are two people in this band, Hall. <laughs> <laughs> they have the power to change their shape into animals, monsters, or even beautiful women. They are not allowed to turn themselves into homely women. That's interesting. According to lore, they are most powerful at night. Hall and Oates? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> They are a race of villains in the role-playing game Dungeons and & Dragons. Huh. And again, I am referring to the musical <laughs> duo Hollow. <laughs> You're a dwarf, a giant, and you are Hollow Notes. Um, all right. Uh, Rakshasa is, well, it's definitely the coolest name of a bad guy we've had yet. Hell in, uh, yeah, Rakshasa. Yeah. I'd like to rock a little Shasa, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, are you ready for some fun facts? Fun facts, fun facts, fun house, no, fun facts. This episode established Sam's ongoing fear of clowns. Colrophobia is the fear of clowns. Why can't they just call it fear of clowns? <laughs> Colrophobia sounds like fear of, of either Colorado or... Cauliflower. Or Colorabi or cauliflower. What's Colorabi? Isn't there some vegetable called kohlrabi? No, that's just what I always text you when you when I want you to call me. <laughs> and your Italian accent. Kohlrabi. Kohlrabi. Because I speak about my per myself in the first person. Uh, third person. I speak about myself in the third person. Kripke wanted to do a clown episode since season one. Well, he's the boss. He made it happen. Mm-hmm. Everybody Loves a Clown is a classic rock song reference from 1965. The song is by Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Did Everybody you know Loves a Clown. Sure. I didn't. Huh. I just thought it was just like a saying, like, oh, everybody loves a clown. I, that's probably where they got the reference for the song. Ah, uh, now it makes sense. Harvell's is a blues bar in Santa Monica. Kripke would frequent the bar in his, in his 20s and 30s. I've been to Harvell's. Have you? Yeah, back in my 20s and 30s. Wow. Did you ever see Kripke? I didn't. Huh. That's weird. Um, well, Ash, Chad Lindbergh, asks, you ever been struck by lightning? It ain't fun. Chad Lindbergh played a character in an episode of The X-Files that was given powers after being struck by lightning. Now, Ooh, I wonder if Kim Manners added that line just for Chad. I wonder. Well, the rifle Joe Harvell threatens the boys with at the beginning of this episode is a model 94-30-30 Winchester repeating rifle. Get it? Yes. Uh, Jared and Jensen are both models. No. Uh, you and I, if you add our ages together, are 94. Nope. Uh, we are rewatching all of the Supernatural episodes, which means we're repeating uh, our viewership of the show, which means a repeating Winchester. In a way, we're repeating the Winchester experience for fans and ourselves. That's it. That's it. That's That's one. That and I wear a pair of 3030 jeans. That's You're my a jeans. Square. <laughs> the episode mentions that Rakshasa 
can be killed by a dagger made of pure brass. A brass dagger! Opening at Rakshasa this spring in a town near you. Brass is an alloy. Alloy, mate! Made up of copper and zinc. On guitar, the copper. <laughs> On the bass, zinc. Bobby Zinc. So there is no such thing as pure brass. Really? Check out this solo. <laughs> pure BR ass. Uh, wow, that's good to know. There's no such thing as pure brass. Except for there is pure BR ass. ass. Pure Bob and Rich ass. Hey. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, that was our take on season two, episode two. And, it was uh, a good one. It was a fun podcast. It was yeah. fun interviews and it was a fun episode. Totally. Thank uh, you to but, all the creepy clowns out there. A little tip of the uh, fake wig to all the creepy clowns out there for all their hard work scaring uh, people all over the globe with their innocent, murderous creepiness. And a sincere apology to all the non-creepy clowns just trying to go out there and do the good clown work. <laughs> do, do the Lord's work, clowning. Do, yeah, exactly. Best of luck to you, non-creepy clowns. And we'll see you for the next episode. Yeah, we will. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Samantha Ferris as Ellen Harvell, Alona Tall as Joe Harvell, Chad Lindbergh as Ash, Quinn Lord as Evan, mm-hmm. Alec Willows as Barry Papazian, Ken Kramer as Mr. S. Cooper, and Nicole Munoz as Nora. Everybody Loves a Clown was written by John Scheiban, directed by Phil Segrisha, executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. Editing by Anthony Pinker. Music by Christopher Leonards. The original broadcast of this episode featured the following songs. Time Has Come Today by the Chamber Brothers. Shambhala by Three Dog Night. Also, there's a song in the show called Do That To Me One More Time by Captain and Tennille. And Mudwalk by Bad Poodle. This episode originally aired on October 6th, 2006. This episode ends with In the Memory of Peter Ellis, who directed two episodes in season one. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now is hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Haida Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, buddy? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. There, there. You froze my, on me. Uh, I did. It's one of the. Uh, uh, am I frozen to you, Steve? Um, it's uh, it's one of the brothers. Are They're, you there? Rob? Yeah, we're we're all here. Story Mill Media.